Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. It's not impossible to figure out. Like, look, we put so much energy into looking good, right? Like we get our hair cut, we get our nails done, we do all this other stuff. It's kind of the same amount of energy, right? Track yourself, track your food, track how you feel, you know, track your sleep, track how you feel, track your cycles, track how you feel. And really being able to just spend maybe five or 10 minutes, you know, in the mornings or an hour or two on the weekend, really devoted to your health, you know, I don't think is a big ask for an engine that carries you is really your vessel for you to accomplish, you know, whatever you're supposed to do in the world. You would spend more time in your car You definitely spend more time on your kids. So I think these little moments of just like, okay, what's happening with me? Where do I stand? And got a lot of those tools in there just to help. It's just to be a guide. Like, yes, we want the medical system to change. Yes, I want more doctors to be thinking this way. Yes, it's a part of my mission. But there's a time lag on all of that. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I thought I was having a mental health crisis Mm. and I have a lot of mental health issues in my family and I had sort of got to adulthood and thought like I escaped it. Like I didn't, I didn't get, my older brother was schizophrenic. I have a lot of anxiety, depression, all of these things. And when I hit 37, Mm -hmm. I was like, it's time. Like I'm getting these problems. Couldn't control my moods massive anxiety, crazy brain fog, couldn't stay focused. Focus is like my thing. Right, I can right. be productive and get it accomplished. 
all of this stuff was happening, like wild rages. Like I would get so angry, I couldn't control myself. And I thought I was going crazy. Mm -hmm. So I went to have, I went to have everything tested, but I went to have brain scans done mm -hmm. because I thought, oh, something's wrong with my brain. Went to Amen Clinics, met with Dr. Amen. Yeah. He did the whole thing. And when he was looking at my intake forms, he's like, I think your hormones are unbalanced. And um, just, he's like, just based right. on what you said, I think right. you're, and I had no idea. I never heard that before. I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, we we're on the phone. He said, real quickly, just, just Google estrogen dominance and look at the symptoms. And ev like there were 10 symptoms and I had nine of them and I just started bawling. Wow. The only one I didn't have was it was like decreased sexual desire because I didn't have a partner and right. I was going through divorce. So I was like, I don't want to ever see a penis again. Right. So I wasn't, right. <laughs> that was not, I wasn't aware not that that was agenda. even a thing. <laughs> but all of that to say, this started me on a journey. I, found, I have an incredible naturopath doctor who helped me. Here are the supplements you take. Here's the nutrition that you need to do. And it literally changed my life. I cannot express it enough. I've done probably 10 episodes on my hormones for this mm -hmm. podcast community. And now they ask me 10 million questions, questions about, I'm like, yeah. I don't know, but here's what I found out. Yeah. So that was the why in having you on ah, is I was okay. like, this is the best conversation we can have with someone who actually knows what she's talking about versus Rach, who's like, here's how a seed cycle. Right. I don't know. So that's the why. And what I found, I feel like I get my hormones in balance. Yep. And then three or four or five months go by. And then I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Like, what is this thing happening? So I feel like I'm deeply in perimenopause. And let's talk about all the things. Let's talk about it. It's so interesting because, you know, as painful and unique as your story is for you, it's such a common thread and common story across all women, perimenopause and menopause for sure. But I would even, you know, venture to say it's even for young women today. It's even for our teens and women in their 20s and their early 30s. Yes. And so this is a huge, you know, it's a huge frontier. And we really, we really do. I'm glad your audience is asking you lots of questions. I'm glad they're pushing. And I'm glad you're sharing your story. Yeah. Because I think the more of us that put it out there and share, like a lot of that shame and guilt and all that other stuff, or am I crazy, all of that starts to go away. Yeah, I, I heard something the other day, I want to say, I was listening to a podcast or something, and it was talking about that maybe no one's ever done a study, but they were wondering what the correlation would be between divorces in 40s, we 50s, were 60s about this. and yes. hormones and women not understanding how much your hormones are playing into your emotional health. Definitely. I mean, I am actually trying to track it and get it a little bit more precise because, you know, I've sat with patients for almost 15 years now and we've seen a ton coming through our doors at Center Spring. I feel like there's something about the years 3, 7, 15-ish, and 20, Whoa. 18 to 20, in relationships and marriages. And if you correlate those ages, they are ages of profound hormone shifts. You know, not to simplify every relationship down to a hormone shift. Yes. But what's happening is that as the hormones shift and change for both men and women, this is not, you know, just happening to, to women, but as they shift and change, like your emotional bandwidth changes, your tolerance changes, your ability to be the things that you need to be in a relationship, whether it's nurturing or empathetic or or patient or any of these things kind of goes out the window. And then if libido is a part of that equation where partners are no longer together or sleeping together or, you know, intimate, then you've got this like gap that starts to crack and then just widens and widens and widens at each of these years. 
and they're pivotal years because I feel like if you make it over one of those, then you're good. But if you don't, you know, then that's where we see a lot of the divorces happen. I was talking about this with somebody else and it was like, there's these archetypes of like, you know, the batty perimenopausal woman or the like angry, you know, perimenopausal woman or the super depressed, you know, frumpy menopausal woman, you know, so there are these archetypes that keep coming up. And so it keeps the two partners disengaged from each other, right? No one yeah. wants to come home to somebody angry or batty, you know, at the same time, the angry person just gets angrier, you know, and so you have this widening gap. So yeah, I'm actually, that's an area that I would like to nail a little bit better for people and be like, okay, here's your playbook. Yes. You know, you're walking into a relationship. Here's what happens at year one. Here's what happens at year two. And that dynamic of both of you, you know, like playing into your hormones and into your medical sort of wellness and your health and your numbers. I think there, there's something there. And I really feel like I want to explore that even more than yeah. what I've learned to date. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things that would be shocking. I bet if we knew the truth, if we knew how often it's like, oh, I hate this person. Right. And in actuality, it's that you have an inability to regulate how you're feeling kind of about anything. With low progesterone, we see anxiety. With estrogen dominance, we have anxiety and depression, right? With high cortisol, we have all of it. You know, and it's not even just that. The way I've described it, and it's not super scientific, but the way I've described it is it's kind of going dark. And it's almost where, you know, if you and I were in a relationship, like, you're great, you're wonderful, look how pretty you are. And all of a sudden, with these hormone shifts, it's like, I can't stand this person. Oh, my God, look at them. I hate their hair. Like, why do they do that? <laughs> like, what's wrong with it? You know, so it's yes. almost like your perspective shifts and starts to go really dark. And so you've got two people looking at each other from this place of darkness which is not really reality, it's their perception, you mm -hmm. know? And then that in turn is creating kind of all the fallout. Yeah, God, it's so crazy. I used to have, years ago, before I understood better how my cycle worked, I used to have mid-month, mm -hmm. which I now know was day 19, 20, 21, right. where I would feel like the world was ending. Yep. Like it, nothing works, everyone hates me, no matter how hard I try and never get ahead. Like I would have this crazy narrative yeah. for like two days. Yep. Then and it then go. it would be fine. Right. But I never, I always thought that was the kind of thing that only would happen if I was about to start my period or maybe on my period. So it didn't occur to me that anything was going hormonally because I was sort of raised like, well, your hormones happen only on your period. So could we go back to basics really quickly Absolutely. for the audience who maybe has never heard this conversation, grew up with a super religious mama like me who mm -hmm. never explained to you how your body <laughs> works. talk about it. Yeah, don't talk about it. <laughs> Can you talk us through, just at the most basic level, what is happening in our body during our monthly cycle? Definitely. I mean, first of all, we are all cyclical changing creatures, all of us. So even if you're in menopause and listening to this, you're still cycling. So that's just the nature of being a woman. But basically, those cycles are rooted in fluctuating and changing levels of estrogen and progesterone. So in the first half of our cycle, we're seeing estrogen slowly rise, ideally building up that uterine lining, right? And really prepping for ovulation, for conception, for all these different things. If that doesn't happen, Happen, then we see estrogen come back down, progesterone kind of like midway through the cycle is starting to go back up, and now is prepping your uterus, that uterine lining to shed if you haven't, you know, if you're not pregnant or or that hasn't actually taken place. So this, this 
dance is actually a really neat dance that the body does. It's like, okay, estrogen's coming up slowly, 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 getting ready to maybe get pregnant. Oh, wait, not pregnant. Okay, we need to go back down. It's time to exit. As it exits, your progesterone almost acts like a detox, so to speak. Let's clean the uterus out. Let's remove everything. Let's get it out of the way. And then we're ready to start all over again. So it's kind of this like very natural reboot system that the body has. And it is tied to our reproductive health and to our fertility. However, it's actually tied to so many other different symptoms, conditions, and functions of the body. And it's really important for women to first identify what their cycle is. Most of us have a 28-day cycle where days one through 14, we're, we're feeling, you know, days one through seven, we feel amazing. Estrogen levels are coming up. They're coming up. They're coming up. But for folks like you that have estrogen dominance, when those levels come up too high and too fast, then you start to feel really bad as you hit that 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And then you go, hopefully you ovulate, and then you have, you know, the decline of the hormones. So a lot of women with imbalanced hormones feel poorly at any of these markers. So some people feel really bad days seven through 10. Some people feel feel really bad days 10 through 14 or 15. Some are feeling really bad on that latter half or just it, the week before, you know. Is that just based on that they're too low in something? They're not high enough? In, is that where the, the it's an discomfort comes it's from? It's the imbalance. So depending, and we can go, I don't know how, yeah, go how there. detailed you want to get. Just pretend you but, have this audience uh, of millions of women who are so hungry for information. Well, let me then break, let's break down those time markers that I just gave you, and I can tell you exactly what's happening in all of those. But before I jump into that, keep in mind that I'm assuming that everyone's got a 28-day cycle. Yeah. There are many people that don't, and we need to talk about that too. Some people are on 21-day cycles or 35-day cycles, and there's some issues there too. But ideally, this 28-day cycle is what we what the majority of women experience. So let's go back. All right. So you've had your cycle. Day one is the first day of your period, by the way. I mean, a lot of women yes. that don't know how to count. So I didn't know one, either until my doctor taught me. He's like heavy bleed, right? right. Not because not a spot. I, I spot a yeah, lot not building a spot. up. So it's, it's an a heavy actual bleed. bleed. Yes. You've filled a tampon or a pad or something like that. So that's day one of your cycle. So you start counting there. Days one through seven, estrogen's on its way up, progesterone's still kind of low, but you usually feel pretty good. Most women feel pretty good around this time. As you move to day seven to 14, estrogen continues to climb. So for our patients that have a lot of issues with estrogen dominance, meaning they have a lot of stored estrogen, estrogen levels can be high or their stored estrogen is high. And that's a differentiation that we may need to go oh, into wow. because okay. I'll get DMs all the time being like, I checked my estradiol. It was fine. How can I have estrogen dominance? But my answer back is, did you check estrone? Did you look at your liver enzymes or all these other things to oh, look wow. at? So anyhow, so estrogen's on its way up. So if you're estrogen dominant, you start to feel bad here. That feeling bad will often peak at ovulation. That's the worst. So we've got a lot of women coming in like days 14, 15, 16 are miserable. They are, they're in the bed, they're unhappy, but they're not having a period. So they're like, what the heck, yeah. you know? What are some of those symptoms just in case people hear that and they're like, maybe this is what's happening Definitely. To me. Well, some of them are very textbook. Like they will complain of like ovulatory pain. They can feel pain on one side of the pelvis or the other, a little bit higher even into the upper abdomen or lower abdomen. Other women just don't feel right. They get all of a sudden this 
huge amount of breast swelling and breast tenderness. They'll start to get a migraine. That's another big one. They'll notice that they bloat, like they don't have bloating. I always talk about this hormone belly as this inflatable oh my, balloon. That took me so forever to, to conquer. Out. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're bloating. They're like, wait, I'm pregnant. Like, no, 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 you're not pregnant. <laughs> you know, so th- those are some of the different symptoms. And then some of them, you know, going back to mental health, actually, I can't miss that. This is this window is where somebody with severe depression, mental health issues, this is a vulnerable Mm. period for them, right? Because that estrogen surge can trigger bipolar, can trigger a schizophrenic episode, and it can trigger severe, severe depression and anxiety. And we've seen that in practice for sure. Yeah. So I I had heard the statistic and I'm going to get it terribly wrong, but it was like an insane percentage of suicide rates in women going up in the three days before their period. Okay, we're and, getting there. Uh, <laughs> you were getting I there. Amaz- I want to like bash my head through a window because that is not something I ever heard from a doctor from a, ever that someone was like, hey, just so you know, if you have to, if you start to have suicidal ideology on these days, like it, just know that this is this what's is happening why, in your body. Right. Oh. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas 
the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Dr. Amen talks about this all the time, too. The female brain is surrounded, is, is full of estrogen and progesterone receptors. So it's very responsive to what's happening with these levels in the body. So that's why it's so critical. I mean, I get patients with all kinds of diagnoses coming through mental health diagnoses, not hormone diagnoses, mental health diagnoses. Yes. I mean, you know, I could tell you a million stories, but I think this one is the most, most significant. Like I had a physician family bring, you know, the mom and the physician brought you know, his wife in. And this was a vibrant, productive woman who is now like crying, refusing to dress herself, like a total different person. Wow. Been everywhere. They've been to every specialist. This is a physician, right? So you're going to go to every specialist. You're going to go to every clinic in the country with the biggest name and couldn't get answers and had heard about our clinic and, and kind of what I do. And brought her in. She was having estrogen surges. And so we shut, we, in her case, because she was so extreme, we had to shut her cycle down because we couldn't control how high she was surging and then how high, she, how low she wow. was falling back off. Totally normal sense. Absolutely fine. Not on an antidepressant, not on an anti-anxiety, nothing. So, I mean, there's so many stories like that. I'm that's sure. just, that's just one. But that is a critical time for any woman, you know, who is dealing with a mental health issue is that ovulatory peak the day, couple of days before, the couple of days right after that. Then you go into the statistic that you were just talking about. So now estrogen's coming back down. Progesterone is supposed to be coming up. But here is what's happening in the majority of women, and I would say of all ages. It just gets exaggerated in perimenopause and menopause. Those progesterone levels from the get-go, out of the gate, are so low today because of high cortisol, because of a toxic environment, because of all these different factors, that when we hit this phase where progesterone levels are slowly coming up, but then they're going to go down, so we have this withdrawal bleed. So everything's like on these uh, cycles, right? So you have the estrogen cycle going up and then down. Progesterone staggers it a little bit, comes up and is starting to go down. But progesterone levels naturally should not really be going down until about day 21 or so. But what's happening today in a lot of women, that drop is happening at five, days 15, 16, 17. So they're bottoming out by the time they hit day 18 and 19. Wow. Some of those women will go on to have periods. So remember I talked about the women with the 21-day period. They are having that low progesterone issue. Now, for women who have some reserve, they don't have that withdrawal bleed at day 21. They can continue out through that 28-day cycle. But they start to feel really bad as you hit days 24, 25, 26, 27, and then you finally bleed. So those symptoms where that suicide risk is, where anxiety is, a lot of women have palpitations. That window is where we see the 2 to 4 a.m. waking up in the morning constantly. We'll see some hot flashes or night sweats even in a young woman, not just in a menopausal woman. All of that is low progesterone. Mm. So the reason 
you know, that it's exaggerated today where some women have the 21-day cycle or some women experience these symptoms at day 14 or 15 rather than later in the cycle is because progesterone depletion is an epidemic. It's a complete epidemic. And it's in our teens. It's How in, did it happen? How did we get I here? think, so there are lots of thoughts. The number one would be some sort of confluence between poor food quality, poor digestive health toxicity, and this incredibly stressful lifestyle that everybody is leading today. When I say stress, it's not just like, you know, you're like, okay, how is a teenager stressed? But oh, stress is... So, <laughs> I have two teenagers. All right, good. So I have stressed. two as well. So, but it's also like their lifestyle, right? They're on the phone. They're getting light. They're like on social media. They're, they've got to do 12 APs and exactly. five sports and, you know, like all this other stuff. So we've got this natural depletion of progesterone happening very early out of the gate. So then that exaggerates over time, right? Because no one's talking about it. They're not checking it. And then if you're not getting the nutrients you need, that deficiency in progesterone worsens as your cortisol levels get higher. So we see that relationship directly, right? So, you know, going back to my story, I had to go, you know, I had a whole healing thing that had to get me into holistic and integrated medicine. Will you actually tell that story? Though? Yes, yeah, I will. But progesterone was a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. I need, I was 28 years old, but I was progesterone deficient, you know? So that's such a demonstration of, you know, how this high cortisol, low progesterone is a hormone pattern that we are seeing starting out in teenagers and then getting exaggerated with wow. every decade. So, well, absolutely. do you feel like for you there were, was it a correlation between going to med school and I am at, I I only know Grey's Anatomy, right. but I'm assuming <laughs> that that I'm was Meredith. stressful. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, I think. Well, it's multiple things. I can't just blame medical school there. I think there, and just like my patients, right? I always say it's like, I use the rule of threes. I always say there are always three hits before something expresses itself. So I had a chaotic and stressful childhood, kind of dysfunctional. I was sort of the responsible one, the parent of the family. So there was that high cortisol state walking into this very competitive, demanding academic situation got through all of that, got it. And I never did. So nowadays people do gap years or take a year. I never did any of that. Like I went college, med school, residency, working. Like it was just like in one big, you know, swoops. I never had any quote unquote downtime. And then I had financial stress as well because there was so much going on in our family. So I felt that burden, right? So you married those two things together. And then, you know, I was into health back then. I wasn't unhealthy, but healthy back then was sort of the fat-free version of the 80s, right? So it was Diet Coke and popcorn and running and I was healthy and I was low calorie and all these other things. But all of it together was crashing kind of like my gut health. I didn't know this at the time. And, you know, my hormones and all that other stuff. And so the symptoms start to show up, but you ignore them because they're always mild at first and they don't really get your attention, especially for busy women and men. They don't get your attention until they're like, you know, unbearable. So it started with acne, like cystic acne, then progressed to hair loss, mild hair loss, where it was just like, okay, whatever, I'm losing hair, you know, and I love this because my patients will use this on me too. Like, you know, they're 20, sitting across from me, 24, 25 years old. I know I'm getting older. And I'm like, you're not old. I'm not getting older. (laughs) I used the same mentality back then. I was like, well, maybe like I'm past 25. So that's why this is happening, you know, and then 
you know, there's the weight gain. Then I go into, I finish med school, I finish residency, I start my first job, which is in the ER, the urgent cares in the ERs. And there's a lot of flip-flopping. And I had done the flip-flopping already in my training, but now it was a way of life, like 7P to 7A, couple of days off, 7A to 7P, couple of days off, 11 to 1, 12 to 12, like all over the place in terms of, of sleep and uh, things like that. So I think, again, it's a big tipping point when you hit your mid to late 20s. It's sort of like, truth serum time for everything that's happened prior and everything just hit a wall. And I started to gain a lot of weight. I started to lose a lot of hair. I had a lot of joint pain and joint swelling. And, you know, it still took others in my life to kind of shake me and be like, okay, go figure this out. And so my journey of going to see doctors was unfortunately much like the journey many of my patients have today, where it was like, okay, you're stressed. Here's an anxiety medication. You know, are you sure you're not depressed? Here's this. Well, let's help you sleep better. You know, and so it was just sort of this general, like it's your life and your life is doing this to you, but nobody wanted to check my hormones. Nobody thought about anything past, you know, just the very basic thing. So I got kind of passed around to eight different doctors. And the final one gave me a medication. It was a hair loss specialist. It's like, if you don't take this medication, you are going to lose all your hair in the next two years or something like that. So, you know, at this point I'm worn down, you know, and I have patients say this to me where they're just kind of worn down. You're like worn down by the journey. I'm like, fine, you know, whatever. And so I take the medication, but it has side effects. And those side effects include dropping your blood pressure and dehydrating you, you know, pretty as spironolactone. Many patients may not recognize or know that medicine. And sure enough, on a given day, I work out, I, you know, take my medication, I jump back in the car and I bottom out in terms of my blood pressure while I'm driving, end up passing out and doing all that stuff. But that's what it took for me to be like, all right, this is not a joke. Like, I, I can't continue to just pretend like this is not happening to me. Nothing's working. So I've got to figure this out. And it took that for me to have the resolve and the commitment to getting kind of the answers to my own health. So this is what opened up then holistic medicine and Chinese medicine and nutrition and Ayurveda. And really that journey led me to my answers. I have PCOS. And once I learned I had PCOS, the entire family has PCOS. You go back two generations and they have PCOS. You know, so we have that sort of physiology, you know, kind of running through the family. So I figured that part out. I figured out the gut story. Like I can't eat gluten. You know, I was having all these issues with gluten. I had all this like, you know, and I see it on my daughter now and she won't listen. But like, (laughs) you know, I had like keratosis where you have like that chicken skin on your arms. I had all of that. And I see it on her now, but it was all gluten, you know, and the minute the gluten got out of my system, the acne went away. My thyroid was off because of all of this. So I had to go on thyroid hormone and my progesterone was completely crashed. So from about 28 to probably 31-ish, 32, I was on progesterone. I was Mm -hmm. on just a tiny, tiny little bit of bioidentical progesterone. And that kept me nice and even, even though I was still in the ER and still working kind of that flip-flop job. And so seeing my story, like people around me wanted to know more, right? They wanted answers for their own questions. And that really motivated me to, to open a practice to like really start to share that information. And so as I did so, it was a universal issue. People weren't getting answers. They were getting passed around. All of those things were happening 15 years ago yeah. that still continue to happen. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. 
because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach this episode is brought to you by progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly 750 dollars on average plus auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm curious, how much training did you get in med school about women's bodies, female hormones? Yeah, it's like... The training we got was on what pregnancy looks like, what fertility looks like, nothing about perimenopause, nothing about menopause, nothing about understanding levels of hormones and how they fluctuate and vary, and really no honoring. And now that we're talking about this, I'm like, I need to go pitch this to medical schools, but really no honoring of just the nature of being a woman and like how that plays out when we're talking about mental health, you know, gut health, autoimmune and inflammatory diseases, like no real acknowledgement of that. And again, I went to medical school 20 something years ago, right? Graduated in 97. And from what I hear, core MD medical school education hasn't changed. Yeah very much, yeah. right? So a lot you've got a lot of young doctors coming out who are aware of this other world and want the information, right? right. Like they they want to do better. They want to learn, but they are still not, there's still not a system to help them learn and then to put that learning into practice. You know? Well, it's also this idea of like women's bodies have been ignored or objectified or oversimplified right. when it comes to medicine. Like, oh, I'm sure it works just like a man. That was a huge thing for me to begin to understand is that I am not the same person in week two of my cycle as I am in week four. Right. And if you can learn to, sounds so cheesy, but like flow with your cycle. Totally. It will change your life. Yes, And there's so many advantages to it. I feel like there's still a segment of women who are like, this is, you know, super granola, like Mm -mm. almond. I'm like, no, this is Mm -mm. the key to everything. And especially here in the U.S., the instinct it tends to be like, oh, you're not – first of all, you're sitting with a doctor for maybe 15 minutes. Right. They're in a hurry. They're not really taking – here, take this prescription. And oftentimes I feel like if you don't have enough information about what that prescription is, the side effects of that can be worse Correct. than what they're there to treat. 
that's what I am so passionate about this subject. I'm like having a hard time sitting still because <laughs> I have so many questions yeah. for you. Because what trips me out is that what helped me balance my hormones was supplements and my nutrition. Ex- same. <laughs> like <laughs> same. Doing a different kind right. of workout change. Right. Like all right. of these things I learned to take better care of myself. But I never thought that like, oh, if you eat these things or take these things out of your diet and take these supplements, it'll make you feel better. None of it is expensive. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of hard to teach yourself if you've never done it before. But it's it's a habit like anything else. You just incorporate it into your life. And it is life-changing. Crazy life-changing. So many questions I want to follow up on. But I want to just tap back into the progesterone piece yes. because mm-hmm. you started talking about bottoming out. And right. when I was reading your book, it was the first time that I was like, oh, maybe I have both now. Right. So can I have estrogen dominance and low progesterone? So estrogen dominance comes in a couple of different flavors, so okay. to speak. Okay. So there is classic, which is high estrogen. You have high estradiol. Like I go to check you, your numbers are high anytime I go to check you period, end of story. We don't even worry about progesterone, your estrogen dominant. There is uh, the second type, which is where you may not have high estradiol, but you have high estrone, meaning even the little bit of estrogen that you're making, you know, gets converted due to genetics, due to poor gut health, due to a lot of different factors, gets converted over into stored estrogen, right? So that's estrone. So we can measure that. We can get a sense of that. So that's the second pattern. And then the third, actually probably there are four patterns. The third pattern is where you're actually, your estrogen is fine, your estrone is fine, but you're super, super low in progesterone. That still creates a pattern of estrogen dominance, mm-hmm. right? Well, low progesterone oh, being that, the yeah. primary because yeah, it's all about sense. the ratios. I see. And then the last pattern is uh, they're both low. I mean, your estrogen's low, your estrone is high, and your progesterone's low. So you're storing the tiny bit of estrogen that you've got, but your circulating levels of hormone are incredibly low. Okay. So that pattern is more probably for the menopausal woman, you know, by the time she gets there. But that woman, the fallacy for that woman who kind of falls into that, you know, late 40s to 50s category is that she thinks she's in the free and clear. She's like, oh, I don't have hormones anymore. Yeah, so, that's definitely what I think. Is that not true? No, so <laughs> I'm not a part of the hormone conversation. And yeah. it's not true because you can still store your, the tiny bit that you're that's getting produced, so you can still have high estrone levels, and you can still have high metabolites. <laughs> you know, after I go through menopause, I'm need, lighting something on fire. That's why I want menopausal women. Also, they need to understand you've got to check these numbers. You know, because if you're checking the numbers, then you're going to mitigate your risk for things like breast cancer or hormone-based cancers. Because a lot of how many women have you heard of? Oh yeah, my mom got diagnosed when she was sixty or 70, that's what's happening. The hormone pattern is shifting towards a higher androgen, higher estrone pattern. Mm-hmm. And that in turn is triggering the genetics for cancer and for all these different things. This sort of patterning is what I really want everybody to be able to understand about themselves and walk away with and know what their normal is, right? Like I know what mine is. I know what my levels need to be like and what they need to look like. But that might not work for you, you know, so we have to really understand where is it that you feel good and you're in the flow, right? You're choosing the right foods for you. You're clear. You're happy. Like feeling happy 
is possible, mm-hmm. right? But I think when we are not in alignment from our hormonal chemistry to our nutritional chemistry and gut health, again, it's that darkness that kind of sets in, you yeah. know? And so we want to be able to reverse that and really change that for people because I've been front seat, you know, a firsthand witness to how that darkness disrupts lives and how at the end of the day, you don't just disrupt your own life, you usually disrupt a whole family, course, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I'm really passionate about like, Let's fix this. You know, there are answers. We can fix this. We don't need to stay in kind of this sort of negative space. Yeah. And I want to say for anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, I wish I understood more the different possibilities of estrogen dominance. All of that stuff is in the book. Yes. I don't normally plug a book so heavily (laughs) in a podcast, but but there are so many great charts. And if you want to dive into each one individually, it is in the book. So definitely worth checking out. But you just said the thing about, you know, it affects a whole family. My kids, three of which are boys, my Mm -hmm. oldest three are boys, know my cycle as well as I do. Oh yeah. Like literally my teenage son (laughs) has a wrap about day 20. Oh my gosh. It's it's like day 20. It's not the time to be funny. Like he's got a whole, I'm like, yeah, you got it, buddy. They'll literally be like, I'll respond in a certain way. I feel like I'm just being normal, but I'll respond maybe like too harshly or like they can tell I'm annoyed and be like, Ooh, day 20 mom. I'm like, you got it in one buddy. So I was in a relationship for a very long time. I was married and since divorce and in a new partnership, And I just so happened, God bless this man, started dating him in the height of this, Uh in the height of, am I going crazy? And so he has walked this entire path with me. And I I literally could not have asked for a better partner Partner. because he cared so deeply about what was going on with my hormones, how he could support me, how he could help me. He knows my cycle as well as I do. Mm -hmm. And just... I've been in two relationships in my right. life, but having seen both, it's worth saying it kind of feels wild to me to the idea that I was ever in a relationship with someone who didn't know about my cycle. Right. And that was just his upbringing. Like right, he just right. didn't, yeah, you know, yeah, there's no yeah. shade on him. But for people who are listening to this, I just want to sort of express the idea that like this is a lot to manage. Right. And if you feel like you have to do it without anybody knowing that you're upset, that you're having a hard day, that you're feeling sad, that you're feeling angry, like if you have to deal with it and you have to hide it. There's no reason to hide it. It's crazy. And you shouldn't be in a situation or relationship where you have to hide it. Right. Right. I mean, I would say the same for my poor husband who, you know, without me saying a word, you know, shows up with bars of chocolate and and whatever else, like shaving razors he needed from the drugstore. I'm like, why'd you get all that? He's like, I know what time Yeah, he's like, I know. You know, you and I both know know why I got that. I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you. So, but anyhow, but, but I've always genuinely felt supported, you know, through my hormone shifts and my hormone craziness for sure. And- you know, it, it's painful for me to hear that other women are not in their relationships. And I think some of that is on us where we don't communicate and we don't say what's going on and we're not preemptive. Like, okay, I did not mean for that to come out that way. Today is day, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. I'm going to retract and take that back. I'm so sorry. I think for our partners or for our kids or whoever's engaging with us, I mean, we see this in our work setting. You know, we are pretty much an all-female company. Yeah. We have maybe... <laughs> two men, three men that are working there right now. And we see in our employees, we can tell like all of a sudden, like the 
very innocuous email is interpreted as like this, you know, fire starting campaign or something like that. So, so we know, and the ability to be able to say, I think like it might be that time of the month, let's take a breather. And there's no offense there. You know, some, some people get really offended when, when they're told or someone suggests like, wait, is it your hormones? Yeah. Well, it, it might really be yeah. your hormones, <laughs> yes. you know? Yes. And so what is the call of action to that for, for coworkers or family members or things like that? I think it's to be super empathetic. It's not a time to engage. It's not the time to like play tit for tat and to get into an argument and all that other stuff, you know? But yeah, I mean, we see it there, we, you know, at home, I have a teenage daughter. We see it with her, you know, and they're definitely with, you know, with teenagers, they don't have as much self-regulation, right? So it can come out as anger or rage. And we're like, so, I mean, I think when we think about a family unit, I think it's really important for everybody in the unit or even in a work unit to kind of like understand what's happening with this. I think, you know, it's interesting, like one of the things that really irked me, I don't know if you remember when there were some professional tennis, I can't remember the names, tennis matches going on. And a couple of the players bowed out because of their period. You know, they were like, I can't play because of my period. They got all this grief. Well, they wouldn't let them. And this was the first year, I think, at Wimbledon where they were allowed to wear black. Their little tennis skirts. Yeah, their little tennis, like the thing that goes on underneath them. But it was lit. I think it's Wimbledon. Uh The rule was you had to wear all white on bottom. Ah. And so this was literally the first year since Wimbledon began that female tennis players were allowed to, because they were like, for all these years, if you were on your period, you, you were would, like, I hope I don't bleed I out don't on show. TV. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, so it's like, you know, women, but I remember the comment of one athlete, and I'm blanking on her name, but it was just like, I can't play when I have my period because I'm in that much pain. And I'm like, and all these people are supporting her and like, you know, saying great. And I'm great that like she stood up for herself. But like, I'm like, where are her doctors? Where's, where's our medical system? You know, like, like shame on us that yeah. you have to bow out of a major tournament for you because of your hormones, because of your cycle. Why can't we fix them? You know? Well, I so. mean, that's the thing right there that maybe is going to like be that aha for the audience right now. It's not supposed to be like that. No. If if you're in that much pain, if you're having these cramps, if you're ha- like something's wrong. Right. There's some there's something going on with your body, but we have been taught to either keep it quiet or just accept that, right. oh, this is, you know, I grew up in a very religious home. I was taught to believe that the period and the pain that you got during your period and during childbirth was the result of Eve's original sin. Mm, so if Eve wow. hadn't sinned, then you wouldn't have these problems. So this was like the the cross that we all bear as women. That is mm, how I was raised. Mm-hmm. So you didn't talk about that. You were just like, oh, it's, it's part of it. Is right. I just have to experience this pain. Can you talk about, even with some of your patients, what are those symptoms that people think are normal and are they could be helped? And they could be helped beyond just like taking ibuprofen every time yeah. and calling in sick for work. Yeah, there's so many. I wouldn't even know where to start. And I'll start with the more obvious ones. So super heavy periods, not normal. Super painful periods, not normal. There are there are probably hormone patterns, you know, wound up in in a lot of those different symptoms. I think highly irregular periods, not normal at all. And then the mental health component that matches your cycle, 
not normal. Like a lot of women, like if we can start tracking your cycle and understanding and then tying that back to your mental health, you'll probably find a pattern there. Absolutely. And that may save you from, you know, being on three different anxiety medications and depression medications and things like that. Then there are a host of others that I think get missed routinely. And let's just, I'm going to start with, again, a little bit more obvious to less obvious. So like gut symptoms, so rectal pain, with your periods, not normal at all. Cramps in your butt? Cramps in your bottom. Not normal. Not normal. What? I totally get those sometimes. I've made so many. I say it. Poor Jack has been with me forever, so he's heard. (laughs) But I've made so many jokes about that on stage that like men, um, they think that like a cramp is like in your stomach. And I'm like, we literally get them everywhere. Our boobs, our butthole. Like there's... That's not normal. That's not normal. Okay. Cramps in your bottom sometimes are a sign either your uterus is retroverted or tilted back or you've got early endometriosis. So, you know, something to pay attention to. I would say like moving on up, things like how you focus and concentrate, right? I see this in our teens, definitely see it in our, you know, perimenopausal and menopausal women, like the inability to focus, to retain memory, all of those things. And when they're cyclical, you know, that's a hormone symptom. That that's not like, you ADD. You have to track it. You <laughs> so, have to track right. it. These women have been listening to me say this for three years. Track yeah. your cycle. It's so easy. I just right. started a note in my phone day one. Day one. And all right. I did was just document. This is how yeah. I'm feeling. This is my energy. And I did that for three months. Yeah. And then on the third month when I was having a day that I thought the world was burning down, my life was terrible, and it was like day 20, let's right. say. Right. I went back to the month before. Same thing on that day of the month before. Went back to the month before that. Same. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is the key. Like right. this is what I do during the month. And for me, maybe for everybody, I feel like if I just know why I don't get so wrapped up in it. Okay. This is every person I've met. They all think they're going nuts. Yes. Everyone thinks they're going crazy or it's either I'm going crazy or I'm old now back to the 25-year-old who's old. I guess this is just normal. Those are like the three lines like that I keep hearing over and over again. And I think we really want to change all of that. We really want to say, no, 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 track your cycle, own how you're feeling, normal. I'll tell everybody what normal is. Normal is feeling good. That's what's normal, feeling good, feeling happy, feeling joyous, and being ready to go out there into the world and, and do your thing. You know, normal is not retreating and hiding in the bed with the covers up and not wanting to face the world. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. So I think for all of us, myself included, because we're all shifting, right? Like we've got to be like, okay, something's off. Time to check. Let me figure this out. Redirect, reevaluate my plan. And I'm and I've spent a lot of time in this book and even the previous one, the Superwoman RX, talking about the need to understand like medicine as it's set up today is like, all right, here's your answer. Bye. You know, it's like very like one directional. But if we're gonna go back to women being these cyclical fluid creatures, even through menopause, right? Then your plan sometimes has to change, right? You have to go back in and be like, okay, where are we right now? Uh, And that's why, like, I'm hoping the books will help. It's like, you go back in, reevaluate, reassess, okay, this is what I need to do now. It might need a tweak. It might need a shift from what I'm used to doing normally. And we have to be open to that because we as women are very fluid and flexible creatures. You know, that's our gift. It's our superpower that we can kind of do all this movement. It's why we can multitask, right? All these different reasons. So I think when we're not honoring that, and then we're hiding or thinking that our health or our bodies have to be like like a one-answer solution, I think that doesn't do us a lot of service. Yeah. I think for me, a big learning was 
I had sort of taught myself to push through it. Yeah. Just push through it. Just get over it. Just push through. Just like, just power through. (laughs) Because having a day or two or three where I didn't have my energy is everything to me. Right. It's everything. And if it goes away, there's not, I mean, my kids could tell you, my boyfriend could tell you, there's nothing I hate more in the world than feeling low energy. It really freaks me out. I'm with you. Like, I just, I'm like, what's happening to me? And there's a few days during the month where I'm just, I don't have, I don't want to go do strength training at the gym. I don't really want to go anywhere. And for most of my adult life, I just like push through those days, have more caffeine, try harder, get focused. And I've just learned to listen to my body like, okay, let's do some other work today. Let's not try and solve all the world's problem today. And if you could just allow yourself to flow with where you are this week, I promise you're going to have more energy and more focus when you come back next week. During a time where this isn't happening Absolutely. inside of you. Absolutely. And remember, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, they believed all of that, right? They honored all of that. They really were like, at certain times of the month, the, you eat these type of foods. You move your body in this particular type of way. You know, they had it down to don't make a business deal from here to here. You know, mm-hmm. like they had it down to like that specific they would, probably didn't use the word business deal, but you know what I mean, yeah. like, you know, whatever negotiation is going on. So they really spent a lot of time thinking and honoring the female body. I feel like once we industrialized medicine, you know, in the 1800s or so, we got completely away from that. And we became very, like, linear in our approach to medicine, which has definitely served all of us, you know, in the wrong direction. But for women in particular, I think we've been you know, the major sort of victims of that process. Yeah. One of the things you talk about in the book that I was surprised to hear was, and you can tell me if I misquote you right now, but it was essentially like, if you can afford it, Mm -hmm. ideally you should have your hormones tested once a quarter. Totally. And I, after I read the book, I was doing an episode about hormones and I mentioned to the audience that you said that in the book. And I have this hotline where people will call in and ask me questions. Mm -hmm. And I got a question, I answered it on last week's episode, where she said she heard that and she was like, I I really want to do that. I've never had my hormones tested. I want to go have it done. She went to her doctor and her doctor told her she was too young. Mm. And Jack had put it in the in the line. So I'm thinking, because I have some teenage girls who listen, I'm like, oh, must be a teenager. 30 years old. No. Doctor told her she was too young to have her hormones tested. Because she was like, oh, I heard this podcast. I just would like to know what's going on in my body. And I, so she was like, what's your advice? I was like, find a different doctor. Yeah, totally. But you should, right. you were allowed to know what's going on in your body. We're, like what, your doctor doesn't get to gatekeep right. the test. If you can afford it, if you have... Go get that done. So can you talk a little bit about hormone testing and Absolutely. how it helps I'd love us? To. So it's really important to test your hormones because that's the, because we're fluid and cyclical creatures. You need multiple data points and sets of data points to be able to put your pattern together. That's the only way to really, you know, academically understand. Now, from a symptom standpoint, we can make good guesses that your estrogen dominant or low progesterone or your thyroid's off. But it's a really good idea. And I list out some of those numbers and where I think women should be in the book. But the reason to test is because we're fluid and shifting. Now, every quarter, if that's difficult, at least every six months, right? I think that one is kind of an absolute, no matter how old you are. I think we want all young women, young girls, all the way through, you know, our seniors looking at some of these things and understanding where they stand. Going back to the issue of cost, so it's really about finding the right partner, right? And a, a lot of my time and energy goes on growing what we're doing in Atlanta, but LabCorp, Quest, 
have lab panels that run through your insurance that don't need to be costly if your provider orders them, right? Mm. Secondly, you yourself can go walk up to a LabCorp or Quest and and ask for these lab tests. You can do this, but you are going to have to pay out of pocket for mm. them, you know? Or you go to one of the saliva kits or the urine kits. Not everybody has to do a Dutch test. I hear that, you know, getting it's thrown. A it's test. a urine test that's urine and saliva looking at all the different hormone pathways oh, okay. and metabolites. Fabulous information. But it's kind of like a one and done. It's not something that you can keep going like every, and when I'm telling you to check them every six months, you probably aren't going to want to spend the money checking it on a Dutch test every six mm. months, right? But Do you, you like saliva or blood work or both? I like both. Okay. I usually in practice, and again, I have the luxury in practice to do both, right? Like patients will do lab core. I'm putting those orders in. Patients will do the saliva testing. We'll do both. But the reason I do both is because it's very difficult for me to ask a patient to keep doing that same saliva test over and over and again when it's usually an out-of-pocket test. Mm. Whereas the blood work, I can keep doing over and over again, right? So that's why I encourage people to do different types of testing, put the data together, do what they can within their budget. But I think there's so many budgetary options that to say, you know, you can't afford testing. And I see that on my social media a lot too. I can't afford this. I can't afford this. You actually can. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to find a provider to order it for you, or you need to look into the self-pay options and weigh those against the self-pay price of some of the at-home test kits or some of the other things that are out there. I think the good thing about being in practice, kind of the evolution of the field has been 15 years ago, there was not a lot of this at-home testing or tracking or any of this stuff. Today there is. And so your sort of length of time to get answers should be very short. It's just you making the decision to do so. Yeah. When I read that, I actually reached out to my doctor and I was like, I need, I need another test done. Yeah. And I got the saliva test and I was so pumped that you're coming. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll have my results to yeah. talk to you about, but I did it wrong. Oh, so, no. <laughs> and the bummer, the only bummer about yeah. the saliva test is that you have to wait a, right. another month. It takes so a while. Yeah. I haven't done it yet, but well, I send I, them to me. Yes, I will look I at will. them. <laughs> I definitely wanted it done because I feel like, I mean, the hormone, they are shifting. Right. Like, I'm like, what? I swear to God, like, I feel like I get, uh, all right, we're doing it. Yeah. And then two more months go by and something's changed, changed again. Yeah. So last month, I, I must have had a 21 day cycle. I, mm. I, when I should, I think I got my period on like day 22 or something, yeah. which has never happened to me before. Yeah. So I was like, what are, what are we doing, girl? What's going on? <laughs> Is there, I mean, I don't feel like I was under extra stress, stress or right, I was, about to I was like, why, why would that be happening? So your progesterone dropped for some reason. Yeah. Either it dropped just naturally or it dropped because you were super stressed okay. or you traveled or I your sleep cycle got disrupted. Okay. Now oh. there are, and this is getting woo woo, but there are some women who are super sensitive to like the moon and even those cycles. So Absolutely. We'll, I'll get stories from patients about that. Like yes. they have a breakthrough cycle because of that. So, I mean, there are a lot of different factors involved, okay. but, um, but yeah, I mean, we shift, I mean, even me, like, you know, I, I had a horrific cycle about a month ago, I think to the point where like, I felt like I was going to pass out oh. and all that other stuff. I'm like, okay, so did my due diligence, went and got everything checked, massive shift, mm. massive shift, like levels went in two different directions, Crazy. you know? So, but I have a plan. Yeah. So the advantage is instead of panicking, now I have a plan. Like I know what I need to do. I mean, it's just, it's so empowering to have the information and then know that there are answers to all these different shifts and what's going on rather than just like, kind of like, okay, well, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, this is normal, you know, that type of, you know, mentality. 
why do I have some months where my period is very heavy mm-hmm. and other months where it's just like chill and gone in four days? And I'm like, thanks, girl. That was great. There's, why can't we do this every month? Well, you know, again, it's the short answer is that your progesterone levels aren't stable. Mm. So they're very sensitive to your diet, your stress levels, your nutrient load, to all these other things. So if you're having a good month and kind of following your regimen and doing your thing and sleeping and all that other stuff, you probably have a nice regular period. If you have a month where you're on deadline and you've got like 50 things you're juggling and maybe you've forgotten to take, I've been there, like walked right past the supplement cabinet, you know, it's right there, you know, but keep walking right by it because my head's elsewhere. Then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you have a horrific period. Mm. Now, having said that, like medications can alter a period. Uh, Things like, you know, the Ozempic and Wegovy and everything everybody's on, that can alter a period. Can I like, okay, you're a doctor. This is maybe not necessarily hormones, but everybody gets (laughs) to do what they want to do. Right. But I have, I'm in LA. So I have friends who have done that, who are on it. And I'm watching what I know are the side effects of this medication. Yeah. What are you seeing? I'm seeing nausea all the time. I'm seeing, I have a friend who's losing her hair. I have, there's like, oh, I'm breaking out or whatever. I'm like, yeah. So now on the one hand, I don't know what it's like to be them and to have dealt with what they've dealt with. And in so many ways, like her life has improved because she's doing this thing. But I'm also watching these like really harsh, right? Pretty scary side, side effects. effects. Yeah. So what? How is that then affecting hormones? Because it it has to be connected, especially when women are taking something that's like. I don't know if this is everybody, but she's not. She didn't change her diet. She's not eating well. Clean. Or no, anything like she's that, just no. eating less junk food. The hormones but, are going to get worse. Yes, they're going to get worse. It's the, so scary. She is she and many others are sort of artificially manipulating their blood sugar levels, but not taking care of the fundamental organs involved in hormone metabolism, right? Which include the gut and the liver and some of those type of things. So over time, we're going to see worsening of that. There was the FDA warning last week, right? About Ozempic and Wegovy and a lot of these medications and their risk for suicide ideation along with hair loss. That was the newer one that came up, you know? So, and I think I see it now when I'm out in the community and I'm like looking at people and like they're super thin and they kind of have that Ozempic face that everybody talks about. And then they, it's like your, your face gets really drawn or very loose because you've lost so much weight, you know, and it's been so rapid. It hasn't been like, you know, slow. And then they have the hair loss, uh, that goes with it. So there's I'm that. I mean, find that and send it to her. I freaking knew it was no. that, and I didn't want to say it to her. Yeah, I hadn't seen her in a hot minute, and then we met up, and I was like, "Oh my god, what you happened? look amazing! She yeah. looks amazing! Yeah, like you look amazing!" And I'm such a geek for like nutrition. Whatever. Right. I'm like, what are you doing? Tell yeah, me yeah. everything. And she's like, "Oh, I'm yeah. doing those." I was like, "What? Yeah. Like I thought that was just for celebrities. This is yeah. crazy." But I had to wonder because I just every time I see her, I'm like. I mean, look, you know, that medication's great for somebody that's got like, you know, 30 pounds to lose or Mm. more because that's a long struggle and that can be really hard and demotivating. But I feel like, so the the mantra right now is like, oh, you can start this and you'll just be on it forever. And I feel like, no, can we just do a short trial to get the weight off that needs to come off? And then you transition to healthy eating and all the other things that yeah. really go with holistic weight loss. So, well, it's like, look, it, ev- again, I go back to this idea that I can't know anybody else's story. Right. 
And like everybody has, does what they need to do. Right. But I just think about myself 10 years ago and how I didn't understand how many things were interconnected. I didn't get that if you, I haven't been on, I haven't been on any medication in my life except for birth control. But even back then when I was on birth control, I didn't understand that, oh, this thing that started happening that now is who you, who you think you right, are. Right. But then when I would get pregnant, I wasn't on birth control, it would all go away. It right. just I could not connect, connect the, the dots, dots between right. taking a medication or eating certain foods or going into stressful experiences. Like I didn't understand how my body worked. Right. And so I didn't get that those things were – like you don't all of the sudden start having symptoms for no reason. About six months ago, I love a green smoothie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't love them. They're not delicious, but I, they're a big part of my life because yeah. they make me feel good. Yeah. So I make a green smoothie every day. And my boyfriend had heard on some podcast, he's like, oh, I'm going to switch to whey protein because yeah. it's supposed to be better, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'll switch to whey protein too. I started doing it. And like a month later, I was having just crazy mm-hmm. breakouts And I could not figure out what was going on. I'm like, what is happening? Why am I getting these breakouts? And he was like, well, what changed? When did this happen? I'm like, about a month ago. What'd you do a month ago? Like, I'm thinking, thinking, oh, I started using whey protein. And I'm going to make myself, everyone's going to be like, this girl's a dumbass right now. He's like, that's what it is. It's whey. It's There's something. And I'm like, well, what's in that that's bothering me? He's like, it's dairy. Right. I was like, because oh. <laughs> I would tell you, oh, I don't eat dairy because right. it makes my face break out. Never occurred to Connected me. Connected way to dairy. And, yeah. and there's something so frustrating when you think you're doing something healthy right. and you're actually it's hurting your body in another you. way. Yeah. But it's like once you understand that and you can allow yourself to slow down and kind of figure, okay, what changed? What changed? When did you start feeling this way? When did these symptoms show up? What changed in your life? What changed in your diet? What they're all connected. Right. And it it does involve being a bit of a like a sleuth in your own life, like a detective of like, okay, what and let me try this. But when you figure it out, it's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, it's not impossible to figure out. Like, look, we put so much energy into looking good, right? Like we get our hair cut, we get our nails done, we do all this other stuff. It's kind of the same amount of energy, right? Yeah. Like Track yourself, track your food, track how you feel, you know, track your sleep, track how you feel, track your cycles, track how you feel. And really being able to just spend maybe five or 10 minutes, you know, in the mornings or an hour or two on the weekend, really devoted to your health, you know, I don't think is a big ask for an engine that carries you is really your vessel for you to accomplish, you know, whatever you're supposed to do in the world. You would spend more time in your car, you definitely spend more time on your kids. So I think these little moments of just like, okay, what's happening with me? Where do I stand? And got a lot of those tools in there just to help. It's just to be a guide. Like, yes, we want the medical system to change. Yes, I want more doctors to be thinking this way. Yes, it's a part of my mission. But there's a time lag on all of that, right? So in the interim, here here are the things you can do. They are actionable. They're not super complex. I think I've struggled in the exam room a little bit with delivering information, seeing the deer in the headlight kind of look like, whoa, this is a lot. This is a lot. And I've been 
kind of course correcting year to year being like, how do we simplify? How do we simplify? How do we simplify? So it was everything from like, I just need you to do this one thing. I just need you to remember these two words. This is you. That's all I need you to do right now. I've got the rest, you know, as much information as there is out there, you know, by all the things we're doing, we're hoping we're actually bringing that information in a little bit. And one of my hopes is that you'll at least be able to tell me back. You already did. You already kind of passed my test. You at least be able to tell me this is my dominant hormone pattern. Just knowing that you're estrogen dominant, you know how to eat, you know the supplements you need to be taking, right? You know the yep. exercise plan you need to do, yep. you know kind of what sleep does or does not do to that pattern of estrogen dominance. That's not super complex, but the first part, identifying the pattern, was probably the hardest, yes. right? Yes. So that's what I think we want everybody listening or watching to, you know, to dial into. Find your pattern. Yes. And finding your pattern is first being really intuitive and having a conversation with your body, right? Like have that conversation. Like, where are we? Like, are we good? Are we okay? Like, you know, what's happening? And the body will give you the information that you need. And then the next step is starting to check and measure and track things. And then the third step is having a plan and kind of routinely, cyclically putting yourself through that exercise, whether that's a weekly exercise or a monthly exercise or something you do once a quarter, but just dedicate that time to it. You know, we all get busy, all kind of are worried about everybody else and everything else. But there's nothing more heartbreaking to me because I've always said this. I've said this for years now. Like when one of us are not well, the whole ship goes down, yep. right? It's not like, okay, I don't feel good. I'm checking out for a little bit. It's like literally, yes, it's the, literally whole family the whole lights off, shows yes, over, yes. you know? So it's just like we have a responsibility to do this stuff too. You well, know? and just to like do a, a little marketing spin yeah. on this because I've done it before when I've done episodes on hormones. I want everyone to care about their health. I right. want them to want to take care of themselves. But even if you can't even get there yet, right? just the bloating yeah. that went away in my body. Let's just be completely vapid for a second and say, I looked like I was three or four months pregnant all the time. Right. And I could not, no matter what I did, I would... My body did not correlate with my nutrition. Right. Like I was eating in such a way I could not understand what, where is this inflammation coming from? Like why does this look like this? Why can't I have a flat stomach? When I balanced my hormones, it was like – like it just it just oh, calmed yeah. down. Yeah. So even if you can't get on board yet with like you should do this because right. you need to love and care for right. yourself – you know, it will really help the overall aesthetic. Totally. And, you know, to be 100% clear, what even got me down this road and in this field was me losing my hair. Yeah, yeah, that's real. So it started with vanity, but it became a mission. And once you start to you know, like dig and scratch at the surface and you find all this other stuff underneath, then like you kind of can't stop. You like want to really be able to put it all together. Can I ask... I've referenced it a couple times in past episodes, but like sort of was talking out of my ass because I didn't really know. I would love to better understand. I've heard this a few times of like, and you can be like, you got this totally wrong, but that if, and maybe it's an estrogen dominance thing specifically, but that if there are times where I've like worked out too hard or like I've run a marathon or I've done something and my hormones crash, they flatline. So like I I had this happen a couple of years ago, like on a whim, I'm a runner. So Mm -hmm. on a whim, I was like, I'm going to run a marathon this weekend. And I did. 
And then I, like my Bottom emotional, yeah, I yeah. like, and I called my doctor like, crying, like, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I'm so depressed. I can't. And she's like, what'd you do? And I told her and she's like, Rachel, <laughs> like, if you want to do something that intense, we have to have a plan for you right. so that you are ready for it. Yes. And my understanding was sort of like your sex hormones that there's something between, is it cortisol, cortisol. or something? Can yep. you explain Definitely. what that is? Yeah. So cortisol is a recurring theme, whether it's coming from poor quality food or whether it's coming from the life you lead or really extreme workouts. So a marathon and half marathons and hit therapy and heavy, heavy loading of weights, all of those are stressful to the body mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Some stress is good stress, like all things, right? But repetitive stress will further deplete. Again, remember, if you're already in a low, in a high cortisol, low progesterone state, you're exaggerating that pattern when you participate in any of these different things. As somebody, if you're in perimenopause, you've got a lot going on, you've been dealing with a lot, and then you go decide to do a marathon, well, you don't have a lot of reserve. Mm. So that's why you bottom out. Typically, bottoming out looks like a couple of different things. It's a further crash of progesterone, which can make you feel tired and all the other you know symptoms you were talking about. But it can also steal from your thyroid because yeah. we need energy, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there's this cortisol thyroid kind of flip-flop or seesaw is what I call it, that the more you're going to pump the cortisol to kind of get through your workout, whatever it is, you're going to kind of steal from the thyroid. So a lot of my marathon runners and my extreme athletes are on thyroid medication, right? Whoa. Because they need that support. They've depleted their bodies to that extent. Whoa. So, you know, so, and then a lot of them are on things to help manage cortisol and balance that out. And a lot of them, by the way, have leaky gut, which mm. is where, again, the high cortisol has damaged the gut lining. So now you're having a lot of malabsorption issues. You're having a lot of nutritional issues as well. And then the cycle kind of connects back up, right? And the whole thing repeats itself. For you, it's probably that, right? Like yeah. not in a place to do a marathon. Is Are there things like, is it nutrition? Mm -hmm. Like what would you do? Because I'm I'm signed up for a lot of races this year. <laughs> what would you do or what should I be right. doing to make sure that I'm capable of that? I love this question. It's similar to the question about what should I be doing to get pregnant. So basically we over kind of replete you with nutrients is probably the best way to say it. We're trying to, I think of it like a gas tank. We're trying to overfill the gas tank. Okay. okay. So if you're planning, if I knew you were planning to do a marathon, then it would be at least three to six weeks prior you're upping your protein, you're on a gut healthy plan. So we usually add things like glutamine or collagen or probiotics, like some mixture of all of that to help seal and heal that gut lining. Mm. You're doing things like IV vitamin nutrient therapies because we're kind oh, of trying really? to plump up the mitochondria and make sure you know, you're know you not depleting all your nutrients so that the muscles then crash and collapse. So we're trying to like really optimize the key nutrients for your, for your success. So you do, if you're doing that three to six weeks prior to a marathon, then you go into that marathon, then the recovery time on the other end is very short, okay. right? So same thing on the other end though, need to be doing a gut shake, need to be doing a few, you know, IV vitamin C, B vitamins, all those type of things to plump up the mitochondria again. Not just taking them, but not actually just doing taking an IV. Them, okay. right? Especially for my extreme people. Like okay. everybody else, yes, we can do like the orals and the powders, but like marathon runners, you know, executives that are on international flights like every other week or something like that, like all the extreme people mm -hmm. need to be doing extreme therapies to recover, you wow. know. Wow, okay. Yeah. I've done IV therapy one time and I didn't feel like it did anything. And I so thought it was because I was like hydrated already. <laughs> yeah. So I, we get that in practice too. So 
the expectation is not for you to feel something. This is happening more at a, we like when people feel something because it corrects whatever we're dealing with. But for an extreme person who's not sick, right, you're not coming with like chronic inflammation or getting sick all the time or some of these things that other patients have. So for somebody like an extreme athlete or an extreme overachiever or a big executive or, or whoever it is, then you may not feel anything, right? Because we're overfilling on the front end, you know, it's like having some reserve and we're trying to prevent a crash on the other end. So it's not that you're going to feel a whole lot, but you're tanked up so you don't crash over here. It's much like pregnancy, like before our patients deliver, I'm trying to get them in usually about three to six weeks, you know, beforehand and have them doing some of this IV vitamin therapy work, you know, really working on their gut so that they're prepared because pregnancy is or delivery is like such a major trauma to the body, right? So on the other end, to prevent postpartum and to prevent the fatigue and all these other things that women experience, if they're overfilled over here, then the crash on the other end is not going to be as severe. And then also on the other end, like engaging in some of these things so that you recover your energy very quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter was joking, like I took her to New York with me last week. She's 16. And I was super hesitant about it because it was one of those crazy trips that I do where I'm in and then we're out in 24 hours, but her school hadn't started yet. And she's like, please, please let me come. I'm like, oh, you're going to get sick. I don't, I don't feel good about this. And so we go, and sure enough, we come back and she gets sick. And I'm like, I told you, Rania, this was why I was so worried. She goes, well, you didn't get sick. I go, that's because I have all my shenanigans. Yeah. Like I take all this stuff. I do all these things. Like I know how to like take care of my body to be able to do some of the madness that I do. I go, yeah. you've got to learn to be able to do that too. So uh, you've mentioned her a couple of times and I'm thinking for anybody who's listening who has, I was going to say a a teenage daughter, but probably, I mean, teenage sons have hormones as well. Mm -hmm. Are there some best practices or advice that you have for how to help beyond educating them, which is maybe something a lot of us didn't have? Are there things that you do to help her to help herself or, or supplements or anything that you have her take to help? She's on a whole, so I think TikTok might've helped me, but she's on a whole supplement regimen that she, like I suggested, but she verified on TikTok. That's hilarious. And now it's all lined <laughs> out on her nightstand. We actually went through it the other day. So she's like on berberine and ashwagandha. And then she takes like magnesium at night. Like she's got the whole thing kind of lined out. Um, and she feels better. So it keeps her motivated for, to doing it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many hilarious stories within our home because now she's doing bone broth and apple cider vinegar and water. Like, oh, really? And I'm like, oh, mm, do those crazy. help? Really? God, it's so- such a teenage thing. I, <laughs> I get know. this too. Not just about health, but like different things. They'll come back and I'll be like, my friend taught me. And I'm like, oh, Oh, really? Fascinating. Crazy. I've Fascinating. never, heard that, never heard that before. But anyhow, but you know what I have noticed with both of them now, because my son is 14 and my daughter's 16, they actually respond to data, believe it or not. So I actually brought him in recently to get his labs checked. He was noticing, you know, some different issues. And so um, he actually took the lab report from me and and studied it and asked for his previous lab Cute. report and wanted to see That's the shifts cool. and change changes there and she she's the same like they they're interested in the numbers yeah. so if you can even dial them into that then you're already educating them with how they feel is not in their head 
right? Because a lot of time they also are kind of wrapped up in here, but there may actually be data and things like that that you can track to help them understand like what's going on. Does he take supplements as well? He does. And yeah. what which ones does he take? So he's on a whole different, he has a different set of issues, different yeah. plan, right? So with him it's iron. So he's chronically low in iron. Oh, he has wow. A little bit, he's a little bit like me where the thyroid you always feel like it's about to go off, but it doesn't. It's like kind of hovering. It's kind of hanging in there. So um, he's on iron. He's on a, a mineral supplement to support his thyroid. And then we're working with him on growth. He has two more years. We're smaller people, so we're trying to maximize his growth. So he's on a growth supplement as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. But are there are there supplements that for those those of us who have teenagers, you're like across the board, like teenagers should take this or because I don't my kids aren't I mean, I multivitamins. Right. right? But even that I'm like, I, I think, think it's the gut. I think even for little mm. kids and for teenagers, you know, if you're not going to do a deep dive and you don't really know what to do, I think um, universally there's a gut issue. I think my son I can say with confidence, would have had inflammatory bowel disease like mm. Crohn's or ulcerative colitis if I didn't know what I know. He was wow. a very sickly little boy. And it took me a while because I was early in kind of all of this uh, to figure out that the gluten issue was not just mine. It was also his. We've got his gut kind of solid now. But for people who haven't walked that journey already, you know, really helping them with gut health. Because I feel like if they can have good gut health with a good microbiome and good digestion and using the bathroom every day and all these different things and have that awareness and that understanding of these foods do this to me, I can do this once in a while. I can't do this every day. Mm. They're probably like 60% ahead, yeah. you know? So I, I would say probiotics, digestive enzymes, things like glutamine, those are would be my go-tos. Okay. Then after that, you know, I think it starts to get personalized mm. to like what each person's going through or dealing with. And then you kind of go from there. Yeah. I have, my oldest son is very studious, academic, mm -hmm. like he wants to figure things out. And he had, um, starting in probably freshman year of high school, started to get pretty bad acne. Mm -hmm. And I never had acne, but their dad had acne when he was a teenager. So I was like, it's just kind of yeah. part of whatever. And Jackson kept asking, is there, but there's, is there anything that I can do? And I said, well, here's, you know, what I do, you never touch your face, you wash your face in the morning, here's the regimen to do. Right. And at least for me, I paid attention to which foods made me break out. So I can't have dairy or gluten does this to me or whatever. So he really took that to heart. Mm -hmm. And got real hardcore about what he ate because he wanted clear skin. And he's a junior in high school and yep. he has beautiful skin now. And so interesting because his younger brother has really bad acne. And he's like, how do I, what Jack's do? I'm like, well, buddy, your nutrition. And Matters. he's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he's not there yet. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. like it, just that advice to help the teenagers because I think I would love to impart what I know on them, but I don't, I guess I don't really think about how to, how to better support them with the supplements that they're taking. I just am focused on the food that they eat. Right. Um, but as they become teenagers and they're out of the house, I don't have control over, right. you know, what you buy at high school cafeteria, which right. is like garbage. Well, the sooner you can educate them, the better, especially before they go to college. Because as our patients go off to college, what I've noticed is that now they have that awareness, like, you know, like, okay, I'm off or I'm getting sick all the time. Let me go back. And so they're having their parents send them, you know, the stuff that they need to be taking and things like that. So I think it's just engaging them in the same dialogue. Like, you know, really we, we run something at the centers called college prep, you know, which is where I'm really encouraging parents to come in with their teenagers, you mm -hmm. know, whether they're freshmen, sophomore, or juniors in high school, 
to have that length of time or that lead way to, okay, here are your issues. Here's what, if you don't remember, and I even do the sheet, like if you don't remember anything else, these are the three things you need to do, you know? And so that helps them like be like, okay, this is where I need to stay focused. And so a lot of our college kids, you know, you're sending them out there, people are drinking, they're doing all kinds of things. The food quality may not be what they got at home, but they're kind of equipped at least to manage that and to manage all those shifts and changes. Wow. That's so good. Is it just girls that you do that for or boys too? Boys, girls and boys. Yeah. And you said you guys are opening a facility in LA. Yes. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm not, I will be emailing somebody. I'm very excited about this. We have talked about it since pre-pandemic times and the pandemic stalled everything. And I think we're kind of waking up out of that fog and we're like, okay, this needs to happen. (laughs) Well, so for people who are listening to this, will you talk a little bit about your practice, Sure. how they might be able to come and be a patient and get more information from you and your team? Definitely. I'm I'm really passionate about what we do. The name of the practice is Center Spring MD. It's now a 12 provider practice. So it's a mix of doctors and um, nurse practitioners. And we see patients in Atlanta. We're opening up in New York and LA. And then we have a virtual platform as well. And depending on whether you're coming into the office or whether you're virtual, the experience is a little bit different. But either way, it's getting a really in-depth, detailed history, which includes looking at everything from, you know, what's going on with you to food and stress and lifestyle and family history and, you know, just a deep dive. And then putting those lab orders together to help you get the information that you're going to need and then coming up with that treatment plan, you know, like this is where we want to stay focused. So we've had a lot of success over the last 15 years with our patients and they've taught us and helped us grow and help us to like really expand our understanding of what holistic is to to being like, okay, it's not so much you're trying to be all natural. It's more you're just trying to have a comprehensive approach to your health. And I really think that's the only way, you know, to solve the problems that patients are experiencing today. Yeah, that's so rad. Yeah. There's a bit in the book, it might be the very end of the book, where you talk about um, things that you could do every day. It's Correct. like your, yeah. you know, the nutrition that you add or whatever. And when I read it, and I've referenced this exact moment in a in a recent podcast episode, but when I started reading your recommendations, I was like, oh, I do that. I do that. I do it. Like if there were 50 recommendations, I was doing 48 of them. That's amazing. It is amazing. But what I thought of when I was reading that, the those last chapters was me 15 years ago. Yep. And I want to say this again, because I know that somewhere in this audience is me 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't even remember maybe the first or second or third, but I whatever the first one was, if I had read that 15 years ago, I would have closed the book. I would never even have gotten to that spot in the Mm. book because I was so, I knew nothing about health. I was so deeply unhealthy. I, I was 52 pounds heavier than I am today. I had just absolutely abysmal diet. And by diet, I mean what I ate. Horrible stress, never worked out, like didn't even know really how to do that. I got the gym membership every January and then never used it. Like hadn't done therapy. Like it was just like a long list of where I was. And I remember that I would see things in magazines or, you know, I would be watching like Oprah or something and they'd be like, here's the four things you need to do. And I'd be like, girl, you're crazy. Like there's no (laughs) world where I'm, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. And I would not even try because the first or second thing would feel so impossible to me. And so when I read that, I I was like pleasantly surprised with myself, like tip of the cap, doing all these things. But I thought, 
oh man, I want to speak to someone who's where I was. Right. And for that person, I would say just one thing at a time. Totally. One thing at a time can change your life. One thing at a time can make you feel so much better than you do today. So we've talked about a lot of things mm -hmm. and maybe there's words that people heard that they don't even know what that means or like, what is this? And right. it can feel overwhelming and that overwhelm can make you afraid to try anything. Correct. But like one small step can just give you like an inch, like a little sliver of light that totally. makes you feel a little bit better. And then you're like, okay, I'm getting eight hours of sleep now. Yep. And now I'd like to try having enough water every day, yep. like just simple things, yep. like Little, tiny stacked things. on top of each other. It sounds too simple, but it's like one of those things that like it's simple, but it's not easy. Like you just add one habit at a time, one habit at a time. Don't get overwhelmed by all the words. Don't. I always say like, if you don't know what to do, start with one area of tension. Is there one thing in your life where you're like, man, I'm having the heaviest periods or man, I have these migraines or man, I have just focus on that. Right. How do I heal this? Not right. treat it, heal it. And then go from there. Is there anything that you would say to the audience for someone who's like at the very beginning and they're struggling and they're, they feel like they're going crazy or they're losing their hair or they're super stressed? Like, where do they start? Wow. So I would encourage them. There's so many different starting points, but I would encourage them. And this, I hope this doesn't feel like too big of a starting step, but sometimes the motivation you need, it's really hard to grab it from within. So I think I would start by finding someone who can be an accountability partner in their health journey because they can be kind of the mirror to that. And it doesn't have to be a doctor. It can be your sister, your best friend, your partner, your spouse, whoever, your daughter, you know, whoever it is. But that person is sort of your mirror and your guide in helping you along these journeys. And then together you set a goal. That's a great so, idea. So, okay, we're going to drink 100 ounces of water today. Did we drink 100 ounces yeah. of water today? Like, you know, yeah. and like you start that journey with someone. Yeah. Because I think when I even look back on myself, I wouldn't have even embarked on the journey, sad to say, if my now husband and my mom hadn't forced me to. Mm. And I was a doctor. And so I think that we're all in our heads and we all think that there's more important stuff to do or other projects to take care of other than ourselves. And so I think we need someone to get us out of our heads. And I think that is the fundamental problem. So I would say that would be the starting point yes. is to build community, whoever that community is, and then use that community to find the right resources, set identifiable goals, and then kind of move forward from there. Yeah, I love the idea of like having a partner or even a group who dedicates themselves to balancing their hormones together. Yeah, totally. That would be so great. And yeah. make sure you have at least one person who loves to do research. Right. We need one researcher, yep. one cheerleader. Like, yep. I feel like there's a group there that can really together right. sort of change the way that they're feeling. Very much. Dr. Tass, yes. this has been <laughs> such a treat. I could literally talk to you for 19 hours. <laughs> I specifically booked you on my birthday. Happy birthday. Oh because I was like, literally, there's nothing I would love to do more than talk about hormones. Oh, I Dr. love Tass, that. I'm, I'm so birthday. honored. That's amazing. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming. Thank uh, you. The book is called The Hormone Shift. Yes. Everyone should read it. But if they want to interact with you online, if they want to check out the, the clinic, can you give all your online Sure, stuff? yeah. We have uh, plenty of opportunities to connect. Lots of resources there, too. 
So I'm on social media. So Dr. Taz MD, D-R-T-A-Z-M-D on Instagram and on TikTok, bite-sized information there. But within those, I've built communities there, actually, speaking of communities. So that's an option for folks. And I have a lot of workshops coming up if you just want to start to dive into specific topics. So check out my website for that. That's drtaz.com. And then if you're ready, if you're ready to be a patient and kind of do that deeper dive, that individual dive and really get that personalized approach, then I would encourage you to be a patient at Center Spring MD. And that link is on my social media platforms or at center, C-E-N-T-R-E, springmd.com. And we have a pretty robust provider team, you know, that can see you virtually or can see you in office. Cool. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So fun. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.